2 Corinthians chapter number 5. If you found your place, say amen. amen. Beginning in verse 14. For the love of Christ constraineth us, because we thus judge, that if one died for all, then we're all dead. And that he died for all, that they which should live, uh, should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them, and rose again. Wherefore henceforth know we no man after the flesh, yea, though we have known Christ after the flesh, yet now henceforth know we him no more. Therefore if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature, old things are passed away, behold all things become new. Brothers and sisters in Christ, I want to tell you today uh, that the Bible tells us that, uh, that because one died for all, then we're all dead. How many are dead? All. The Lord Jesus Christ died for all, and the Bible tells us then that because one died for all, then are all dead. And I would tell you today that Jesus Christ died for a reason. Amen? Uh, he didn't die in vain. Uh, he didn't die for a show of things, but he died uh, for a reason. And that reason, the Bible tells us here, is that we should not henceforth live for ourselves, but live rather for he who died for us. And because of all of that, the Bible says in verse number 17, Therefore, he, if any man be in Christ, he is, old things are passed away, all things become new. And that, that word that we see there that says creature, uh, it, it really means a new creation. A brand new creation. And I would like to talk to you today, uh, dear friends, if the Spirit of God would be our helper, about being a new creation in Christ Jesus. Amen. Would you pray with me, please? Father, we give you honor and glory and thanks today. And Father, we're grateful to be gathered together in your house. Uh, Father, uh, it'll all be for naught unless the Spirit of God comes and moves in this place. We're asking you, Lord, to do that just now. We ask it all in the name of Jesus. And they all said, Amen. Amen. You can be seated, folks. I've been convicted uh, here lately, I must tell you, and uh, I fear that maybe I have not been clear enough about the way of salvation. I would like to iron out some of those things here today. And the word that we just read here in 2 Corinthians 5, 17 talks about us being a new creature, or a new, the word means to be a new creation, but it also means to be a new convert. Uh, you might remember that uh, Peter, uh, the Lord told Peter one time, he said, Peter, Satan desires to have you. He desires to sift you as, as wheat, but I have prayed for thee. Jesus said that to Peter, a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus implied that Peter was not yet converted. How is it possible to, to be a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ uh, and, and to walk with him and talk with him and live with him and pray with him and follow him those three years of his ministry on the earth and yet not be converted? 
And I'll tell you, dear friends, the reason that Peter was not converted is because Peter didn't have the Holy Spirit yet. Peter did not have the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit had not been given. The Holy Spirit would not be given until Jesus Christ had, been, had died, had been crucified, had been buried and resurrected and ascended back to heaven. And the Lord Jesus Christ said uh, that when I go, the Father will send the Holy Spirit, the Comforter, the help for you. It was after that point when they were gathered there in the upper room that the Holy Spirit came. That was when Peter was converted. So I want to talk to you this morning about being a new creation. I want to talk to you today about being converted uh, to the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, first of all, is what it's not. First of all, it's not a regulation. It's not a, a set of rules that you keep. It's not a, uh, it, it, it's not a, a prayer. It's not walking an aisle. It's not a, a membership. It's not attending church. It's not even baptism. And let me tell you before the Lord today that it's not an emotional feeling. Salvation is not something that you feel. It's not something that when you had your heartstrings tugged uh, for a moment of time and, and you made some sort of, of, of decision, salvation is not just that. I want to tell you today that my fear is that there are many people today that are seeking an emotional feeling. Can I first of all just tell you right now that I don't always feel saved. Does that bother you to hear your pastor say that? There are days that I struggle with things and sometimes I don't always feel saved, but bless the name of God, I don't look to myself for my salvation. And I don't trust in my feelings, I trust in the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross, amen? And so I'm not saved because I feel saved. I'm not saved because I feel holy because oftentimes I, I don't uh, feel holy. But I want to tell you today that feeling is an emotion and the emotion is the shallowest part of a man. Did you know that? An emotion is the shallowest part of a man and salvation is the deepest work of God and God does not do his deepest work in the shallowest of places. Many people today that they are seeking emotions, they are seeking feelings. Did you know that there are, I, I hate to know how many, what the percentage is of people that make their decision on what church they attend by what the music is like. Now don't get me wrong, worship is important and music is an important port, uh, an, an important part of worship. And we ought to worship God. He's worthy of all of our praise. We ought to sing praises to Him. Uh, we, we ought to worship Him as the King of kings and the Lord of lords. But there are people that are going to church to seek entertainment and not to seek salvation. There are people that are going to church because they have, uh, they ha you know, that they have a big place. They have, uh, you know, certain music and all that. And I'm not calling out any certain church. I don't go to any church most of the time, but this one. But I'm telling you before the Lord today, you ought to be seeking a church that preaches and teaches the Word of God. You ought to be seeking a place that cares for your soul. You ought to be seeking a place that will tell you the truth, whether you want to hear it or not. And uh, so God does not do his deepest work in the shallowest 
of places. So it's not a regulation. I also want you to know uh, this morning, dear friends, that salvation is not a renovation. The old thing and cleaning it up a little bit and putting a fresh coat of paint on it and adding some uh, trim over here or some decoration over there. Salvation is not about taking the old thing and making it a little bit better than what it was. And my fear is that there are people who are walking through this earth that think because they have heard a little bit about the Lord and they are trying to be better than what they were by their own efforts and by their own works and maybe they are a little bit better better than what they were because they're trying a little bit harder, but they are calling that salvation. Jesus Christ, uh, salvation is not a renovation. You know what it is? It's a regeneration. It's a regeneration. What exactly uh, does that word regeneration mean? And I'll tell you, we find that word in the Bible uh, two times, only two times will you find that word regeneration. The first time is in Matthew uh, chapter number 19 and verse number 28. And the Bible says that Jesus said unto them, Verily I say unto you, that ye which have followed me in the regeneration, when the Son of Man shall sit in the throne of his glory, ye shall also sit upon twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. What is Jesus talking about there? He's talking about the regeneration. He's talking about a time when, what, what does the Bible describe that time as? A time when all things will be made new. Jesus is talking about the regeneration. Also, the Bible says that not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us by the washing of regeneration and a renewing of the Holy Ghost. I want to tell you today what a regeneration, what it means to be regenerated. Regeneration is a production of a new life that is consecrated to God. It's not the old life made better. It is a brand new life that is committed and consecrated to God. The word regeneration means a radical change of mind, completely different uh, than what you had before. And it's the same thing that not only that God wants to do in your heart, but it's the same thing that he will do in the earth one day when he makes all things new. Regeneration is not the old being cleansed, but it's the new being created. It's the new being created. And you might remember from the book of Genesis and chapter number one, the earth was without form and void and darkness was upon the face of the deep. Oh, that's a picture of the human heart right there. But before it is regenerated, before it's been made new uh, through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, the human heart is without form and darkness is over the deep places, waters and things began to be new. Amen. And that's what has to happen in the human heart. The Spirit of God uh, has to move in order to make things new. And I'll tell you what, the regeneration, the new creation of a person who's born again in Jesus Christ is a greater miracle than when God created the heavens and the earth. Because the Bible says that when God created the heavens and the earth, he made something new out of nothing. But when he regenerates a person... When a person is born again, he's not making us out of nothing. He has to take something that is wicked and corrupt and evil 
and to make it new again into something that's pleasing unto himself. And somebody ought to stand up and shout hallelujah right now that God has done that for me. Amen? We must be regenerated. And I want to share with you that this is what Jesus was referring to in the Gospel of John in chapter number 3. The Lord Jesus Christ had a conversation with Nicodemus. Uh, Nicodemus was a very religious man that was seeking the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Bible says, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. That word, that word born, it's the Greek word geneo, and it means to be regenerated. Read again, or, or regenerated again, it also, uh, strikingly enough, means to be converted. Except a man be converted, except a man be created again. And the word again is a, is a word that literally means uh, not just to happen again, but to be made from above from the things of God, except a man be created again from things from above, from the Lord himself, you cannot see the kingdom of God. Jesus said without this regeneration, without this conversion, without being born again, first of all, you, you cannot perceive the kingdom of God. That's what he was saying when he said you can't see it. Even right now in this life, you cannot perceive the kingdom of God. You can't understand the things of God. You can't know the things of God unless you have been born again and have been indwelt with the Spirit of God. Amen? You can't perceive it now. And then he goes on to say that you can't possess it later. In verse number five, he said, uh, the Lord Jesus said to Nicodemus that, or I'm sorry, verse, yeah, it is verse number five. Verily I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. What's he talking about there? Being born of water is a natural birth. When you are born of a woman, uh, we know that the baby is, is born through water. You pass through the water, you know, and, and that is the natural birth. And, and the statistics are in, and one out of one people have been born through the water. If you were born, you were born of a natural birth. That's pretty easy to understand, right? But I'll tell you what's not so easy to understand is unless you've been born of the Spirit, you've not been born again. You've not, been you've not been converted. You have not become a new creation unless you have been born of the Spirit of God. And Jesus Christ says that uh, not only can you not perceive the kingdom now if you've not been born of the Spirit, but you cannot possess it later because you cannot enter the kingdom of God without the Spirit of God living within you. And dear friends, this is my great fear is that there are a number of people that name the name of Jesus Christ that have never truly been converted. They've never been born again. They've never been regenerated. They are not a new creation. And because they are not a new creation, they are lost and yet in their sins. And if they should die in that state, they will not enter into the kingdom of heaven. Now, I don't know about you, but that causes me great concern. Does the Lord Jesus Christ great concern also? Why is it that you can't enter into the kingdom of heaven without the Spirit of God? Well, Jesus went on to say that which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. And what do we know about the flesh? Friend, if you have not been converted, if you have not 
cleanly and clearly given your heart to Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone, you are not saved. Jesus was making that point clear to Nicodemus. The natural man has had a natural birth, uh, but in order to be born again, in order to perceive the kingdom of God now and to possess later the kingdom of God, the natural man must undergo a supernatural birth. What does that mean? That means that if, if it's not natural, it's supernatural. And if it's supernatural, that means that man can't do it, right? You have got to have the spirit of the living God uh, to do this work in us. And again, I told you that my great fear is that a large share of people today named the name of Jesus are still yet in their sins. This is why they're not able to obey God no matter how hard they try. This is why they cannot understand spiritual things. That many of them don't even try to understand scripture. This is why they don't pray. This is why they're not able to please God because they have not been born again and the spirit of God does not live in their hearts. Now, is it possible for a Christian to fall short? Somebody who has truly been born again. Amen. Is it possible uh, for them to sin? Is it possible to stumble occasionally after your conversion? And the question to that is yes, but can a Christian continually live a godly, or I'm sorry, a godless, worldly, sinful life? The answer is no. If you continually live a sinless, or a sinly, a sinful, godless, Godless, worldly life, then you're without the Spirit of God and you remain yet in your sins. The reason for that is because true Christians are new creations and they live differently. And I want to be clear with you what I'm talking about today. I'm talking to you about false conversions. I'm talking about false professions of faith. I'm talking about people who have said that they are saved, maybe even believe that they were saved, who are truly not. How uh, actually is this possible? I want you to know that the name of a Christian and the nature of a Christian are two different things. You can name yourself as a Christian and not have a new nature. How do I know? You can call yourself a Christian. You can tell people you're a Christian. You can be listed on the roll of membership at a local church and be lost as a ball in tall weeds. The name of a Christian and the nature of a Christian are two uh, different things and being added to a church is not the same thing as being added to the kingdom. Amen? Amen. Listen to me, we, we, we talk, I, I, I was, saw somebody a couple days ago and, and uh, he asked me about the church and he said, hey, how's, how's your church doing? I said, it's doing good. He says, is it growing? Growing in what? I mean, is that what we identify ourselves with, with whether there's more people sitting in the pews or not? Is that, is that the goal that the parking spaces would be full? The goal that we're able to give out 800 shoe boxes instead of 700 shoe boxes? Does that, does that make us converted? No. My question would be, are we growing in our knowledge 
and our desire to serve the Lord and Savior? Are, are we growing uh, in our prayer lives? Are we, are we adding souls to the kingdom of heaven? Are people hearing the word of God preached? And is it, are they listening? Are the, has the Lord given them hearing ears? Are they listening to the word of God? And is it changing them? Because we could stand here until we preach every verse in this book. And if you don't listen and apply it to your life, you've wasted your time. Amen. Is the church growing in what? Let me tell you how it goes in a lot of these places. And this is really what started me thinking about this. In many of our churches across the world today, there's going to be a time of worship. And people are going to lift their voices, hopefully to the Lord. And then somebody's going to get up and hopefully preach a message that comes from the word of God, although that's not the case in many places. And at the end of that message, they're going to give something called an invitation. And we give them here also. And oftentimes, the lights are dimmed and soft music is played in the background. In, in some of the bigger churches, they put counselors in the church in different places, and as the lights go down and the music comes up, the counselors begin to walk forward, which that helps encourage people to walk forward themselves. And I invite them to come and be saved. People come forward. They counsel with them for three minutes. They pray a prayer. And they turn around and they declare to a church, this is your new brother and sister in Christ. And I'll tell you before the Lord that I've been guilty of doing something close to that. Now, can somebody truly be saved in that scenario that I just described to you? They can be. But the proof of their salvation is not the fact that they walked an aisle and they stood up here and they knelt and they said a prayer. You know what the proof of salvation is? A new life. A new life. Jesus Christ never left anyone the same. And if he has truly come, there'll be a new life. If you walked an aisle somewhere, sometime, if you knelt and said a prayer time in your life that you look back to and you claim that is the time that you were saved, yet you're not a new creation. When you leave the church, you still live the way that you lived before you came to the church. You're no different than you were before you claimed the time that you gave your heart to Jesus. Then based on the authority of the word of God, I'm gonna stand here today and tell you that you're still lost. Are you born again? Have you become a new creation? Becoming a new creation is, is, is a supernatural work that the spirit of the living God does in the heart of a man. You cannot do it yourself. 
I cannot. And guess what? I can't save you either. I talked to somebody one time. I asked them a little bit about some of these things. And they said, oh yeah, I'm saved. You saved me. No, I didn't save you. And friend, if you're looking to me for salvation, you're going to end up in hell because I can't save you. Jesus Christ is the only one that can save you. I didn't die on a cross and pay for your sins. Jesus died on a cross and paid for your sin. And if you're trusting in me, you're going to be of all men most miserable. Less than Jesus Christ and his righteousness. Amen? Amen. Simply to his cross I cling. Nothing in my hands I bring. It, I, I, even me coming here and, and preaching and, and trying to tell you the truth and sharing all of those things with you, if I've not been converted, then I'm lost. Because I have nothing that I can add to the account. Only Jesus can save us and only through faith in him. And it has to be a desire that comes into your heart. Listen to me. When Jesus Christ comes to live in your heart, you're going to be a new creation. Amen. You're going to be a new creature. You're going to have uh, new desires, things that you love that you didn't love before. You'll also have new hates. You'll have things that you loved before that you now begin to abhor and to hate because you know what sin and, and what these things do to the world. You'll have new affections. You'll have new desires. Uh, you'll have new obedience. You'll begin to obey the word of the Lord out of love for your Savior who died for you. You'll begin to want to be at the church. You don't have to go to church anymore. You get to go to church. You'll begin to have a prayer life and an ongoing walk and conversation. You'll begin to be chastised also. Sometimes the father has to chasten those that he loves. And I'm glad that he does because I need put back in line when I get out of line. But everything about you, if any man be in Christ, he will be a new, uh, no commas, no exclamation points. The Lord Jesus Christ, when he comes into your life, you will be new. And I'll tell you this. You'll have a new prayer life. And you'll have new fruit in your life. The fruit that's in your life will no longer be bad apples and rotten oranges, but you will have fruits of the Holy Spirit of God. Do, do you know where those, uh, where those fruits come from? The Bible says they're fruits of the Spirit, aren't they? And we must have the Spirit of God if, if we want to uh, have those fruits in our life. And so the evidence, you might be asking here today, Pastor, how can I know that I'm saved? The evidence is a transformed life, period. A transformed life. Are you a new creation? Are you different than you were before? I stand before you today and I, I tell you, I'm not a perfect man. Really thought I'd get an amen from that side of the church here this morning. <laughs> Thank God I'm not who I was though. Amen. Thank God that when I do fall short that it bothers me. <laughs> And I go to the Lord and I ask him to forgive me and I ask him to help me. Amen. Thank God that he's given me life and, and love for more than what's in this world. Thank God that he's, that he's made me a, a new creation and that he's given me uh, new life today. And yes, baptism and attendance and, and church membership and all those things can be evidences. But they're not the guarantee that you are a new creation. You know what the guarantee is? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit of God. Uh, 
the Lord Jesus said himself, you being, he's talking about parents, and he says, you being parents, know how to give good gifts to your children, and you're evil. How much more does your father know how to give good gifts? He gives the Holy Spirit to those that obey him. If you're a new creation, the Holy Spirit of God lives with inside your heart. And when he lives inside your heart, he's not a silent member. Amen. He lets you know that he's pleased with what you're doing. And when you do something wrong, he lets you know that he's not pleased with what you're doing. Uh, And not only will you know that Jesus Christ lives within you, but people around you will know it also. Because when Jesus Christ lives on the inside, he'll be sticking out somewhere. Amen? People will be able to see him in your life. There will be evidence uh, that he is there. And the Bible teaches us, dear friend, that we are saved by grace through faith. But after that, the Holy Spirit is given. I came here today convicted about these things and and wanting to make sure that everybody in this church understands what salvation is and what salvation is not. Now friend, I can't look into your heart and know if you're a new creation or not. I can see some fruit on the outside and I can see sometimes when there's not much fruit on the outside. Not because I'm judging you, but I can't help but look at the tree and and, and look for fruit. Only you know if you're a new creation or not. Only you and God know. And is it possible, dear friend, if you're here today and you would say, you know what, preacher, I'm really not that much different. Is it possible that your profession was false and you're yet in your sins? the Spirit of God sent this message today because He loves you too much to leave you in that condition. Because eternity is forever and hell is real. There's a movie out called Heaven is Real, right? Well, let me tell you before the Lord today that hell is real too. And the Bible teaches us that that if we're not believing and trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ and Him alone, that we are unsaved, we are unconverted, we are not born again, we are yet in our sins, and we will face the wrath of God. And God doesn't want you to face those things. He wants you to be saved. He wants you to truly be converted. He wants you to truly be born again. And so you say, well, 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 well preacher, in, in light of this thing, you, you're talking about these emotional invitations that, that people give. Should you even give an invitation? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. I believe in, a, in continual invitations. I believe every time we gather together uh, like this that we ought to have an invitation and give you an opportunity to receive and respond uh, to the Lord and to His Word. Not only uh, continually uh, should we do these things. Lord Jesus Christ, when he called his disciples, he called every one of them publicly. And by the way, they responded to him immediately and publicly. My Bible doesn't say that Matthew went home and stewed on it for three to six months and consulted unbelieving people and went and saw a psychiatrist and read the latest self-help book and tried to decide what he should do. 
the Lord Jesus Christ said, come and follow me, and he got up and he followed Jesus. Amen? Not only did Jesus give an invitation uh, publicly, but also so did the apostles. We read in the Acts, uh, the book of Acts chapter number two that Peter gets up and preaches a sermon and he says to the, they, they were pricked in their heart and they looked at Peter and they said, sirs, what shall we do? And he said, repent and be baptized for the remission of sins. Peter called them publicly, gave an invitation publicly and apparently they responded publicly because the Bible says that that same day 3,000 were baptized and added to the church. I'd say they responded, wouldn't you? Amen. That is a public invitation and a public response. And I believe that the Bible teaches that we should give an invitation and I believe because the Bible teaches it, then I will also do that. And dear friends, let me also tell you that there is no secret service salvation. Can I just tell you that? The Bible says in the book of Matthew, in chapter number 10, beginning at verse number 32, that whosoever therefore shall confess me before men, him heaven. But whosoever shall deny me before men, him will I also deny before my Father, which is in heaven. Jesus Christ is calling us to confess him as our Lord and Savior. He's, he is calling us to respond publicly. But my dear friend, I don't want you to respond out of an emotion. I don't want you to respond because you have uh, this feeling within you. I want you to respond out of obedience. I want you to respond out of love. I want you to respond to the Lord out of faith. And I want you to respond out of desperation. Lord Jesus Christ, I know that you are real. I know that I need you. I know that I need to come to you. I want to obey you. I love you. And I must have you right now. Unless you come that way. You're wasting your time. And so I'm not asking you to come. I'm asking you to come to me. If you are unsaved today, I'm asking you to come to Jesus. I'm asking you to give your heart to him because you know that you need to be born again. Because you know that unless you are born again, you will be eternally lost. Because you love him and you want to serve him and you want to obey him. That's the invitation today. And the Bible tells us in the book of Revelation, in chapter number 22, the Bible says that I, Jesus have sent mine angel to the word messenger. Jesus said, I sent a messenger to testify these things to you. I am the root and the offspring of David and the bright and morning star and the spirit and the bride. What do they say? Come. And he, and let him that heareth say come. And let him that is a thirst come and whosoever will let him take the water of life freely. <laughs> Praise the name of the Lord. The water, the living water of life is free to anyone who is thirsty, anyone uh, who knows that they need to be saved, anybody that will come unto Jesus and say, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. 
friend, if you need to be saved today, would you come? Walking this aisle won't save you, thus will not save you, but if you will begin to trust the Lord Jesus Christ for the work that he finished on the cross, and if you will begin to follow him and continue to follow him, I'll make this promise to you. We will disciple you here in this church. of God faithfully in every service that we have, we will give you opportunity to learn and to grow, and if you will trust Jesus all the days, the rest of your life, he'll make you a new creation. Amen? The work that he's done in me, he'll do for you also. And now if you'll stand with me, please. We're going to have a song of invitation. And I encourage you to come.
Father God, as we come to you now in prayer, Lord, our, our prayer, Father, for the hearts of all of these that are gathered here today, all of those that are here, all of those that may listen, Lord. Father, that all have been saved, all have trusted in you, all have repented of their sin, all have, have turned away, uh, Lord, from their, uh, from their own way and have turned to you. And Lord, they are trusting in you and you alone for the salvation of their soul. Father, it's my prayer that everybody here today can, if there's one here today that has been uh, pricked in their heart, that they need to be saved. Lord, maybe there's even one here today that has, has made a commitment in their heart that they, they do want to be saved. They are trusting in you. Uh, but Lord, maybe they didn't have the courage to make it public here today. I pray, Father, that you would help them to do that. I pray that your Holy Spirit would convict any, any of sin, that you would seek and save those which are lost, Lord. That's the reason that you said you came to this world. Father, we don't want any to perish. We want to know that, that, that everybody's going to be joining us in, in your heaven. And Lord, what a, we, we talk about, you know, just because we have a little bit of sunshine and warmer weather today, what a beautiful day it is. Lord, we have no idea what's waiting for us in that wonderful place called glory. And we want everyone to go, Lord. So we pray that the Spirit of God, you are the one that does the work. We're asking you, God, to, uh, to move in their hearts, to move over the dark places of their heart, and Lord, to make them a new creation. If there's somebody here today that needs to confess their faith in Jesus, they need to make it known that they're trusting in you, I pray that you'd help them. Lord, there might be some here that have never been baptized. They, maybe they've believed in Jesus, but they've never been baptized, and your word teaches us that we ought to be baptized. Lord, I pray that you'd help them. There might be some that, that uh, Lord, they're not joined to a church. And, and, and Father, you, Father, would you just help them to come talk to, to one of us after the service to let them know their intentions. And we pray, Father, that you would do all of this work according to your will and that we would have ears to hear and hearts to obey you. Bless us and guide us, Lord. Bring us uh, to the unity service at Victory tonight at 6 o'clock. And Father, today is the nursing home service. I pray that you would bless that service as well, that your Holy Spirit would go with us even into that place. And Lord, we thank you for all that you're doing. Thank you, Lord, that you loved us enough to give yourself for us and to make us new creations. We ask it all in the name of Jesus and for his precious sake. Amen. 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 God bless everybody.